Okay, so we got to get our football up here, obviously because it's football season again. Um, and whenever football season kicks off, it reminds us of those fundamentals. So whether you're checking out a high school game, a college game, a pro game, whatever it may be, you see a football, you think fundamentals. And it reminds us of that because if you think about what it takes to master any sport or do well at it, you've got to be really good at those fundamentals. And the same thing goes with our spiritual walk, that spiritual muscle that we build each week. It's all about being focused on the fundamentals. And so that's why we remind you of our, of our fundamentals here at Four Mile. And also because if anyone ever asks you, tell me about your church, you have a really easy answer. You say, well, we're a church that's all focused about the fundamentals. In fact, we have three of them. The first is that we have a vision to reach the tri-state region and beyond, making fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And that means that we don't just gather on Sundays, right? We need to be about the business of the kingdom every single day of the week. The second thing you tell them is that at four mile, it's okay to not be okay. We are a church with flaws. Every single one of us is at process at some level or another. But of course, none of us want to stay in that not okay place, which is why we have that third fundamental, which is that we love you enough to tell you the truth in the person, words, and works of our Savior Jesus Christ. And sometimes that truth can be a little hard to take, but that's why we do it together. That's why we stay focused on these fundamentals together as a church. So today we're going to look at fundamentals that Paul's been teaching us really since the beginning of chapter 5, where he has been giving us this one main thing is that we are to imitate God by walking in love. And he's basically been going on explaining what that looks like ever since he did that. First, he taught us that we can't be riding dirty, we can't be professing a faith and living with all this sneaky sin up there in our lives because there are consequences. And he talks about two of those consequences. The first is that there's no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And the second is that God's wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience. And then last week, Paul gave us the first of three examples as to what walking in love does not look like. In the first of the do nots, we learn that we must not partner with the sons of disobedience, meaning we must not participate in the things that they do. They're darkness and we became light the moment that we were born again into a new life in Christ. So our lives are now focused on imitating God, progressing in holiness by walking in love for God's glory alone. That's why those words are up there. Whenever you walk into the church, you should always be thinking. That's a reminder each week that we live our lives for God's glory alone. So we don't have time now to be messing with that nasty stuff on the wide dark path because we've become light. We're to bear the fruit of light marked by all that is good, right, and true. And then today, we're going to learn what Paul means when he teaches do not be foolish. Now, this is a word that hits pretty close to home to many of us. But at some level or another, we're all foolish. And whenever we are, we learn that that's the source of so many of our problems. But at the very least, none of us ever want to be that village idiot. So it's important that we dig in today to this. Now, Paul starts out, look carefully then how you walk. So I want to start with those first three words, look carefully then. When we study this phrase in the original language, it means to discern, to take heed, or to be aware. So this is Paul warning us to pay attention. 
He wants us to sit up and engage to make sure we're not complacent about this particular issue. Now, in the Greek, this phrase is in the middle voice. So it's a call to actively engage in all that's being done to us. Now, if you remember that sermon, the middle voice lies somewhere between the active voice and the passive voice. We looked at it back in chapter 4 when Paul taught us on how it is that we're supposed to interact with the Holy Spirit of God. We interact with Him in the middle voice. Recall, the active voice is when I am the one causing the impact. I counsel the Holy Spirit. Now you might be thinking to yourself, whoa, that sounds a little inappropriate to say something like that. But we actually do it all the time. We order God around all the time in our prayers, as though we know more about what should be done than He does. Now the passive voice is when I am the one impacted. I am counseled by the Holy Spirit. And that sounds a little bit more appropriate, kind of like what's supposed to happen as we are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. But sadly, far too often, we ignore His counsel. It's what Scripture means when we're warned to not quench the Holy Spirit. But the middle voice is when I actively participate in what's being done to me. I take counsel from the Holy Spirit. So I am actively engaged in taking the counsel from the Holy Spirit of God who is always impacting me. That's how we're to live as Christians, in the middle voice. God is the first mover and we're always standing ready to respond. The middle voice is how we pray, it's how we serve, it's how we reach the lost, how we disciple, how we teach, how we lead. All those pillars that we have to be training on. So we don't force our way in things ordering God around, and we also don't stand around being complacent, not responding to God either, as though we're still in the passive voice. No, the Christian life is marked by actively participating in all that God is doing in our lives. And this is such a vital point for us to grasp this morning, so don't miss it. We live our lives out in the middle voice as Christians. And it's why we must discern, take heed, or be aware of how it is that we are to walk. Now, we've learned about this word walk because Paul's hit it and used it many times over the last couple of weeks. The word for walk means to live. It's how we regulate our life, or it's making the best use of opportunities that we have. Additionally, the specific word used here for walk encompasses the totality of our lives. So this word walk means all, who, all that who we are. So it's body mind, heart, soul. So it's all aspects of our lives must be lived out in this middle voice as we respond in step with the Holy Spirit, as he convicts, counsels, and comforts us to be more Christ-like each day. So Paul is teaching us here in this opening phrase, be discerning about how it is that you live, take heed about how you regulate or govern your life, and be aware to make use of the opportunities that come your way so that you might imitate God by walking in love. And then Paul expounds on what this walk looks like. Not as unwise, but as wise. So this is the classic divide we find all throughout Scripture. There are two types of people. Those on the wide path, the dark one, the unwise, the foolish, 
the sons of disobedience, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of God, and they will suffer God's wrath in the lake of fire for all eternity. And then there are those on the narrow path, the well-lighted one, the wise, those with understanding, God's beloved children. They are heirs to his kingdom, and they will be glorified in his glorious presence for all eternity. And again, as we've learned, there is no in-between. You can't straddle these lines here. You're either born again or you're not. So this distinction between wise and unwise separates the sons of disobedience from God's beloved children. And when we break these words down, the unwise and wise, we find they're actually governed by quite vastly different things. The unwise are governed to seek their own glory, while the wise seek God's glory. The unwise are governed by their sinful desires. The wise are governed by the indwelling Holy Spirit. The unwise are governed by their pursuit of happy, while the wise pursue holy. The unwise are governed by emotion, how they feel. The wise favor reason. It's based on the knowledge of truth. The unwise are governed by the here and now. The wise look to their eternal home in heaven. So I want you to take a look across those two lists up there. What governs you? Is it the stuff on the left or the stuff on the right? Because you see, our lives are forever changed whenever we've been born again. We're supposed to be governed differently now. We can't go back to those old ways even though we love to. We're always pulled back to that. Of course, we don't automatically become wise whenever we're born again, but we have access to it now. So what do I mean by that? Well, recall we learned just a few months ago that deceitful desires rule the inner being on the wide dark path. But on that narrow path, the inner being now rules deceitful desires because the Holy Spirit dwells within believers. So being born again into a new life in Christ means we are in a relationship with the King of Heaven. His Spirit is in us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas each year, that God has come to be with us. So we don't have to go work to get to Him. He comes to us. It's what changes absolutely everything. And when God is with us, we have access to all wisdom, to all truth. And that access comes in Christ. And Paul is teaching that in light of this fact, we must seek out that wisdom and apply it to our lives. So we must respond to all of this in the middle voice. Do you see how this all hangs together? And this, of course, is a truth we find described explicitly in other letters that Paul wrote. For example, he wrote to the church in Corinth, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. So we have access to wisdom from God because of our relationship with Jesus. Or in his letter to the church in Colossae, where it's Paul's desire for them to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Did you know that? 
Did you know you have access to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ? The world is on this never-ending quest for wisdom, but they're never going to find it. They're never even going to begin to because Scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the world doesn't fear the Lord. Of course, all of mankind's failure and all of its suffering that wisdom could potentially address, it's all a result of sin, going all the way back to the original sin. And since Jesus is the only answer to sin, there's absolutely nothing out there that cannot be solved in Christ. So if we know Him, we have access to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. And then, when we are wise in Christ, we can then make the best use of the time because the days are evil. So let's start with a reason why it is that we are to make the best use of our time, and that's the truth that Paul displays here, that the days are evil. Meaning the days unfold by the principles that govern that wide, dark path up there where people seek their own glory, fulfilling their own sinful desires. They're always focused on being happy, driven by their emotions, living for the here and now. It's dark, it's unwise, it's foolish living, which is why the days are so full of disobedience, where deceitful desires rule the inner being. When you watch the news, when you look around, it's why our world seems to be such a mess. And foundational to being wise is that we understand the situation that we're in, that the days are indeed evil. The prince of the power of the air, the devil, and all of his minions, they promote evil everywhere and always. So if we look around us and all we attempt to see is the good in everything, then we got a problem because we're not being careful. We're not being wise about how it is that we walk. We are being unwise. And someone's going to take our lunch because we're assuming in that very moment the role of the village idiot that none of us want to be because we don't realize that evil actually lurks around every corner. You see, it's so vital that we grasp, that we understand that the days are evil. And I know some of you are probably thinking, man, that is no way to live. That's an awful attitude, thinking everything is evil. But according to Paul, it's the only way to live because it's the truth. And once we realize this truth and we grasp it, it becomes crystal clear to us that we're just sojourners in this life. We're just passing through this world. This is not our home. That's why it feels so unfamiliar to us to think that way, that evil lurks around every corner. And it's because we're beloved children of God. We're heirs to the kingdom. This life is simply a pilgrimage to our eternal home. And that's why we feel so out of place sometimes. It's because we're not made for this world. God has made us a new creation, and he is shaping us for his kingdom. That's what sanctification is all about. So yeah, the days are evil. They are dark. Make no mistake about it. But we have the light in us. In fact, we are the light, as we learned last week. And while we're here sojourning, Paul teaches that we're to make the best use of the time. Now, what does it mean to do that? Well, certainly, we must continue to be sanctified. We must progress down that well-lighted path toward that narrow gate up there. 
guided by Scripture, spending time with the Lord in prayer, responding in obedience to the Holy Spirit's counsel, the middle voice, growing in holiness, living out our commission to go and make disciples, imitating God, walking in love. But it also means something else. Recall that word walk also means to make use of opportunities. So we don't simply isolate ourselves to a solitary life with our Bibles. Rather, we become opportunistic. We look for ways to spread the light of the gospel message, fulfilling our commission. You know, whenever I look back at my life, I think that's one of the things that bothers me the most. It crushes me to think about all those missed opportunities in my life, all those days when I was so focused on myself or so focused on being happy or whatever else I was doing that I missed the opportunity to share the gospel message. So as we sojourn through the rest of our life, we must from now on walk wisely, Paul teaches, looking for opportunities to make disciples in a world that's filled with evil. And when this becomes our worldview, the framework that governs us, everything changes because we are now light. So we now represent our heavenly family, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and all the heavenly hosts from the very place that we are headed, the kingdom of God. And as such, we're convicted now to shine the light of Christ on all those the Lord allows to cross our paths. Have you ever thought about your life like that before? Where all the interactions we have each day are actually opportunities. The people in the grocery store, they're actually not in our way. They're opportunities. Our coworkers, they're actually not put there to make our lives difficult. They're opportunities. Those other parents at our kids' soccer matches, they're not there to be the competition. They're there as opportunities for us. So there is no such thing any longer as chores or obligations. They're all opportunities to be the light. And that, of course, is going to require a great deal of wisdom, knowing how it is that we need to engage in each situation. We can't just wear Jesus on our sleeve and shove it in everyone's face. That's not being wise. Hot water hardens an egg, but it melts an ice cube. So we can't be hot water to everyone we meet. We must be wise. We must discern. Are we dealing with an egg or a block of ice here so that we can make the best use of our time? That's why so many of us at Formile are now training in all these pillars so we know which tool to use and how best to use them, living as though every moment counts in fellowship, serving, gratitude, encouraging, managing well, teaching, discerning, praying, praising, leading, reaching the lost, making disciples. It's all about building spiritual muscle. It's the fundamentals, being wise, reading the situation well, and then employing our fundamentals. Of course, all training requires discipline. We got to get after it every single day. No slacking off, never missing a workout, always focused on the fundamentals, disciplined to stay at the very top of our game. As Paul writes to Timothy, train yourself for godliness, physical exercises of some value, 
but spiritual fitness has value in all things, having benefit in this life and also the life to come. That's why we train for godliness, so that we can make the best use of our time, because the days are evil. And then Paul closes with this simple exhortation that seems to sum it all up. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So this is our teaching today in a nutshell. The second of the do nots. Do not be foolish. And as he's built this argument here, we see the final aspect of being unwise or foolish is that fools don't understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's because they're not in Christ. They're not born again. They don't have a relationship with the King of Heaven. And so they lack wisdom because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And since they are not born again, they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. So they don't have access to His counsel. And therefore, they don't have access to the truth of Scripture. It seems to spell out all that God's will is for us. And it's lifeless to them because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. In fact, when we step back as a church and consider all that Paul has taught us, going all the way, the way back to Easter of 2022, that's a year and a half ago, we've been studying Paul's letter here to the church in Ephesus. Just look how much we now know as a church about God's will simply because we study His Word for about 20 minutes once a week. Can you imagine if we all studied this for 20 minutes every single day, empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like we do here, so that we could know God's will? It's all in here. It's all in these pages right here. All the wisdom and knowledge that we need to prosecute our lives, to sojourn our way all the way to heaven. It tells us that everything starts with a healthy fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. And that's because when we begin to see the darkness of our sin in the light of our holy God, we begin to see the truth about the predicament that we're actually in, that the days truly are evil. It's what brings us to our knees in humble repentance. It's what causes us to place our faith in Jesus and It's what ultimately results in us being born again into a new life in Christ so that we are in a relationship with the King of Heaven. That's God's will for all of His adopted and all of His beloved children to be in a thriving relationship with Him. Just think about that. We get to be in a relationship with the King of Heaven. It's mind-blowing. He's the light of the world. And we also get to then be the light to all those around us. So let's not be foolish, but rather seek to better understand each day what the will of the Lord is by seeking out the truth of Scripture, empowered by the Holy Spirit, training in the pillars so that we can make the best use of our time as sojourners, making our way to our heavenly home. Let's pray. Lord, King of heaven, As always, we thank you for your word today. It is the source of truth, wisdom, and your revealed will. Strengthen us, we pray, that we might walk carefully in this life, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Encourage us as we respond by actively participating 
and all that you are working in each of us for your glory alone. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.